Welcome back to Power of the Mind, where we give you simple tools to improve your relationship with yourself and with others. Today's episode is a viewer question where we talk a little bit about how we pick our partners. Are there certain partners we can pick in love that will make things easier or not? Stay tuned. A um, little recap on a, a question that did come in. We talk about opposites attract, compatibility. Is there a right or wrong answer? Is there, you know, that need to find your opposite or is it the, that compatibility factor? And you, you heard oh, that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So when you're talking about a question, more or less coming down to, you know, who should I pick? And that's when I have my my young people in their 20s and they're kind of in that stage of their life. And, and some of them now are trying to decide to pick a bunch of people at once or trying to decide to just stay single for a long time and, and maybe never, ever settle down. And um, that's certainly an option. I, I think there that you miss out on some opportunities for growth there, right? There's, there's things that happen in a relationship. You'll be confronted with yourself in relationship in ways that you can never be confronted with yourself in like a therapy setting, for example. Your spouse will see things in you that even with 10 years you know, every week in my office, I'll miss no matter yeah. what. Because a clinician is just reflecting back to you what you see, what you show them. And, and whatever you're missing, your spouse or partner can show you in ways that, uh, that can't work. And then also there's the fact that we're all going to get old and die. And uh, it's all fun and games to run around and, and have all this excitement and fun. But sooner or later, somebody is going to need to wipe your butt. And it helps to have had a lifetime together right. before that happens. It's, it's pretty rare to find people willing to do that if you haven't invested quite a bit into each other. So all that to be said, I want to come back to the initial question, which was more or less, how do I pick somebody so that um, they don't make me want to pull my hair out every day? <laughs> and as far as I can tell, the answer is no matter who you pick, um, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough going. And if you trade in the person you have now for somebody new, the new person is going to have baggage too, different baggage to be mm -hmm. sure. But after a couple of years, they'll feel like a pain in the ass as well. That said, there are some fundamental things that a person can look for um, that can be pretty important. A similar orientation in terms of religion is pretty helpful. One thing I've been grateful for, for example, um, my wife and I both come from family systems that were very religious we, uh, so we have similar values that we were brought up with and it, it makes child rearing quite a bit easier. Mm -hmm. uh, coming from different religious backgrounds, having to make a decision together about how to do something as complex and challenging as raise a kid, <laughs> um, there's a lot to that. And there's different elements of life too. This is where the premarital counseling can come in pretty right. hel helpful and, and handy where you ask questions like, okay, if we have kids, are we both gonna work? Or is somebody going to stay home? Well, if you have a different idea how that should go, that's that's pretty tough. Do we want kids? That's a pretty important question. And it's really fun to figure that out before your mid to late 30s. Okay, If you're in your mid to late 30s just exploring that idea, uh, that's a challenge if one of right. you wants kids because uh, we're just we're getting into a time when, when biologically that's going to become increasingly difficult. So those core fundamental things are really helpful. One thing I will say, we talked about birth order and some of the elements with that, it is sometimes kind of nice to pick somebody out based on birth order who has a different place in the family system than you do. If you have, for example, if uh, I talked in the birth order episode about a friend of mine 
And uh, her husband has an older sister, and she's a firstborn. And that's a really easy relationship to make work mm -hmm. because there are some unconscious understandings about the the negotiation of, of choice and decision that people who come out of complementary family systems can make. So that part's a little bit easier. If you're a firstborn and a hero in your family system, picking out a mascot, you know, they'll drive you crazy because they'll be late and they'll make you look bad or they'll they'll come up against your stuff. But a lot of times they won't be in direct competition with you. Two heroes, for example, in a relationship, two firstborns, they're going to fight. They're going to, you just know that's going to happen. They're both strong-willed people who have a firm idea of what direction we should go in any given situation. They think they know how to raise kids. They think they know which, which drawer the forks and the spoons need to go into. And every little thing is going to come up into a conflict. If you're both lastborns, um, <laughs> You're going to have a lot of fun, but you're going to have $100,000 of credit card debt. Yeah. And, you know, neither you'll finish school. And by the time you have a couple, three kids running around, you're going to be under some stress. So those are some basic things you can do to try to make it go. But, you know, at the end of the day, nobody rides for free. It is the reason marriage is awful and hard and painful and difficult is because we, and by we, I mean like me, I am awful and hard and painful and difficult. I am selfish. And if I don't know that I'm selfish, be in a relationship with me and you will discover it probably before I do. And then we will have to have a discussion and I will have to contend with my own selfishness. And I think it's the only, it's the only way I've found to address some of my own crap. And it continues to be that. And so that's the utility of it. I, for one, I think... I think the opposite, you know, the, the opposite attracts thing, you know, with the firstborn, cause I'm the firstborn. My husband is a middle kid Yeah, and it, it works. It sure makes it easier. Yeah, it works. And it's but not to say that he doesn't have a say in it. We always, our thing was always the no wins. Sure. So if we want to do something and I'm like, no, we shouldn't do that. That's it. Sure. If we, and so we just always, and it's always worked pretty much. And sometimes I can win a, a no over or uh, quite opposite, you know, vice versa, but it's definitely the, I've always been that, okay, this is, we're going on vacation. I'm, we're going here. We're staying here. We're doing sure. this, we're doing that. And he's very happy to go, okay, tell me when we're leaving. So I think that'd be difficult for me to have somebody to be married to somebody who's like, we're going here, but wait, I don't even, you know, so he's very easygoing. That's I think why it's, why it's worked. But I think if he was married, we've always joked because I'm like, if you were married to somebody who's easygoing like you, you guys would go nowhere. You would get nowhere. <laughs> you would just be like, should we, I don't know, you call. I don't know. You have reservations. So right. I think there's something to be said about that birth order, you know, about birth order and choosing based on, you know, because it's worked so far over here. So I heard it said once that uh, at the end of the day, the best marriage, effective marriage is when both of you are in a race to the back of the line. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, if in a perfect relationship situation, we both put the needs of the other person ahead of our own needs. And if we're doing that and caring for one another primarily, uh, you have a situation where there's deep trust and a secure attachment. And that's really what we're all looking for is the idea that there's somebody in this world who has my back, right? Because yeah. again, it's all fun and games. Oh, there's a movie on Hulu and it is like, gut-wrenching, but also incredibly beautiful. And I think it's called The Friend. And it's got, um, uh, there's three actors in it. 
and the gal gets cancer and dies slowly. And it's awful and painful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happens in the movie is you watch her friends start to pull away. Her very dear good friends, yeah. friends she's had for a lifetime. It's all fun. It wants to be around. Right? Life it's hard to be around. It's that. really, really hard when somebody is suffering at that level for that extreme for that amount of time. And uh, I think at the end of the day, we all have that awareness that the world is a, a pretty tough place, and we're all looking really for just somebody who's got our back. Yeah. And we're looking to. And in, but but in order to find that, we have to learn to have somebody else's back, and that's actually surprisingly difficult for most yeah. of us to do. Just... I read I read a book very early on in my marriage. Um, it's the proper care and feeding of marriage. <laughs> and it's definitely was super eye-opening because you think of these guys as the big, strong, you know, oh, guys. Sure, and, sure. you know, they're no feelings and they run around and they, mm -hmm. you know, storm villages. And But the book really opened my eyes to you know, when your husband does something, he wants to be appreciated and he wants mm -hmm. you to tell him he's done a great job. And, you know, just today, my husband's like, look at the maple tree I planted, look how well it's doing. And all he wanted me to do is just like, that's awesome. Like, it's perfect. You put it in the perfect spot. It was great. And, but we forget that our men, you know, these strong guys need to hear, you know, that you love them and you, you know, thank you for, you know, being you know mm -hmm. the provider and going out there and, you know, I always tell him how many dragons did you slay today, you know, and it's just like, he's like, ah, you know, whatever. But, mm -hmm. but it's just, they need their egos boosted once in a while. And and I think that men are very simple creatures. And I think that, you know, and not to be taken offensively, but yeah. I think that they want to be taken care of. And even if they don't say that, I think there is a thing about taking care of your, your husband and telling them they did a good job. And, and that mm -hmm. I've never forgotten that after reading that, you know, mm -hmm gosh, probably 27, 28 years ago, you know, your husband just wants to be told he's doing a great job. Mm. And so I'm just like, okay. So I said, gosh, that's, that's awesome. So I always make sure I do that because I think everybody wants to hear that. But sure. it's always just been in my head to make sure, you know, you went out and slayed dragons that you went to work today. You, yeah. you're the dragon slayer look what you did. So. Well, and even if you, if you look at it from a sort of a broad perspective, you know, whether or not that's what every spouse or, or husband wants to hear, I'm not sure. But you read it in the book and you figured out that, that's, that it worked really well for worked your for husband. Me. Yep. And speaking somebody, you know, Gary Chapman talks about the love languages, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea of kind of figuring out what it is that our partner needs and showing up as that. And that's a lot of the process as right. far as I can tell. It's just um, just showing up uh, with the intention of taking care of somebody else. And that can be really challenging in a situation where I'm not sure they're going to take care of me back or I'm confident. The other thing I've, I've told folks is if it feels like it's 80-20, you're, you're probably about right. Because yeah. we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their behavior. Right. <laughs> I give myself a lot of slack because I have a really good intention. But uh, I tried. I, I, I measure her only by her behavior, not her intentions, and that's not. That's that not doesn't fair. tend to go yeah. well. So yeah, I think that was a good point because for me, you're right. I found that this works really well for my husband, and and it could be that it worked would work very well for a lot of husbands. Yeah, I certainly see that. But that was smart. Uh, that was um, good insight because it's. Yeah. I found something that he was very very receptive to early on, and 
just never forgot that. And I've heard that, you know, men yeah. are simple, you know, feed them. <laughs> I had an old supervisor. I had an old supervisor and she said, men are like biscuits and women are like phyllo dough. Oh, yes. So that was really funny. <laughs> Google it if you don't if you don't get it because it is like, yeah. here you go. Well, phyllo dough. Here's your biscuit. Layer, 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 <laughs> layer. And it's all just you know, there. The biscuits just, just a biscuit. Because guys, and what I've experienced, guys <laughs> say what they mean. They sure. mean what they say. There's no hidden. I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, uh, exactly what I said. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but obviously you're, you mean something else. Because as a woman, I'm fine. She's not fine. She's not. It's not. So it's just interesting to, you know, just kind of going back to that book. It was that that was kind of mm. a good, yeah. good thing that worked yeah, for it's, us. It's actually really interesting, too, to look at, you know, now the culture is trying to shift away from a lot of these um, sort of archetypal ideas about how men are and how women are. And the underlying theory behind that is that all of that is a social construction, that it's all been created as a tool, generally, the belief, I think, is as a tool to oppress, uh, as a tool to, to use power to oppress people. And I'm not sure that that's the case, I would say. Uh, I think that some of it might just be biological. That doesn't mean we can't choose to change pieces of it if, if they're not working for us now and the culture wants to shift it. But uh, I've always, I always lament the idea of making wrong what has been in place for a long, long time because we want it to be different now. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a topic for another discussion for sure. Well, good spot to end in. And I think I'll dust off my copy of my book as I'm going into 32 years of marriage to make sure go. I'm not missing some, you know, we get a little lazy, I think sometimes. So I'll have to, to brush that up. But Oh yeah, lazy is part of the cycle. Yeah, we, comfortable. We have a little argument, we tune it up a little bit and then we get lazy. And we wait until things get bad. And then we have an argument and tune it up a little bit. And then we get lazy and wait for things to get bad. Yeah. And that's how it is. There's too much to fight. I don't want to fight. Yeah. It's too much. Human beings are innately yeah. lazy, I think. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Power of the Mind. Uh, yeah. Alicia Morgeau and the awesome Greg Struby. Thanks again. The and awesome moniker. That's kind awesome of cool. Greg Struby. We should put that on my... Uh, my title on the screen. Awesome. awesome. Oh, it's it's on, on there. Title. You see okay, it? cool. It's <laughs> the great. most awesomest. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. If you have a question or something you'd like us to discuss here on Power of the Mind, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is stories, S-T-O-R-I-E-S, at signalsaz.com. That's stories, S-T-O-R-I-E-S, at Signals, S-I-G-N-A-L-S-A-Z dot com. Look forward to hearing from you.